Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlife. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. Hi, Lauren Grace here and welcome to The Afterlight. And I'm joined today by Megan Mary. She is a dream worker that specializes in the analysis of women's dreams to promote transformative personal growth and enlightenment. Founder of Women's Dream Analysis and the Women's Dream Enlightenment podcast, she is an intuitive, an introvert, a mystic, and a writer. After being diagnosed with three chronic illnesses, she experienced a spiritual awakening. Megan now works with women from all over the world, offering dream interpretation, transformative journeys, and enlightened guidance. She lives in Idaho with her rock star drummer husband and two cats. Megan is joining me to talk about the potential of tapping into the dream world. We're going to be talking about how to enhance your dreaming experience, how dreams can help us and not hinder us. And I also want to find out from Megan whether or not there are ways that we can in. I guess you could say improve our dreaming state of mind and as well as our dreaming recall. So Megan, thank you so much for being here. It's funny in your bio, it says rockstar drummer husband. And when you go to your website, there's a very kick-ass photo of you with like some, (laughs) it looks like you're wearing leather pants with like crazy platforms. Is that kind of like your alter ego or do you kind of, it is. Okay. But you let her shine every so often. Yes. I, I love giant boots and, you know, I, you know, when you live, when you live with the rockstar life, you gotta, you gotta play the part, right? That's right. That's right. I love that. Living the rockstar life as a introvert. It's uh, probably yes. a very interesting experience of balance. <laughs> yes. So I'm not sure if you're so familiar with the show. I'm sure you've heard some of the show before, but I always I love to find out from people about how their spiritual journey began. I know for you, it sounds to me like it wasn't necessarily smooth, but you found your way there. So can you share your story Mm -hmm. a little bit? Absolutely. So going back to just when I was younger, I would say I like to include that part because it's not like this just happened recently. So when I was younger, of course, I really felt tied in to everything that you couldn't see. I was pretty much obsessed with Halloween because it was the only time of year that everybody acknowledged that there were spirits around and it was okay for things to be spooky and mysterious and you know other people sense that thinness of the veil and it and I loved that feeling of that day and I just wanted it to be Mm year-round and so that's kind of where it started and then as I got older I kind of felt like I had to give that up. I kind of felt like I had to kind of part ways a little bit with that closeness that I felt to spirit and learn a trade and go into get your career and start to make money and do all this kind of stuff. And it really detracted me away from it in a way that I feel like what happened to me that brought me here was more of a remembering. I call it an awakening, but I think it really was more of a spiritual remembering really, because it, I remembered where I came from and what I wanted 
to do now and what I really should be doing. And so I went through a period where I had multiple chronic illnesses diagnosed all one after the other. And it was, I call it the perfect storm. Um, but of course there was nothing perfect about it, No, but it was perfect to really show me a new path. Yeah. And part of it was, um, that in a very almost dreamlike way, I started to lose my sight in addition to all of these other, um, autoimmune illnesses and I had was diagnosed with Lyme disease and mold disease and all these other things was that it gave me a greater internal sight. It seemed like as soon as I started really losing my vision and having a vision crisis that all of my other vision kicked in. Right. So all of your intuitive Yes. Knowledge sort of ticked it. So your clairs really starts, started to yes, emerge. Yes, absolutely. Right. And I'd always known that I had those, but I wasn't sure what to do with them. And I yeah. didn't really know how they fit into my current 3D life the way I perceived it. And so as a result of my healing journey, I worked with a non-traditional doctor that suggested I meditate three times a day as part of my recovery. And I had previously worked at a Buddhist university, so I was familiar with meditation. And of course I've done yoga half most of my life, but I hadn't really integrated it as a practice to that extent. And so when I started doing that, all of a sudden it was like the floodgates opened Mm -hmm. and I just started really receiving a ton of information and directives and guidance and (laughs) dreams and you know everything and pretty much was called to do this and to do my podcast and it I had no plans to do either (laughs) um I was you know working my job and I was um writing a fiction novel and that was really my passion at the time and what I felt like I really was here to do. And I believe I still am and I will get that published, but (laughs) not yet. This, this all happened and said, Oh no, you're doing this and you better put put on your seatbelt because it's going to go fast. (laughs) Yeah. I want to go back for just a second, Megan. There's a lot of jumping off points in your story that I'm interested in pursuing before Mm -hmm. we get into all things dreams, which I know is going to be a fantastic conversation. I can't wait, but I want to ask you whether or not Okay. So you're on your spiritual journey. We could say, you know, because when we're here and I believe that when, you know, we're all spiritual beings and some of us are a bit more realized than other people, but I think that, you know, when we're younger, you know, we're closer to kind of the veil. Right. And, you know, you were talking about Halloween and sort of almost having permission to be who you are. And it was interesting when you talked about leaving that behind, I thought you were actually alluding to the fact that you're kind of letting the inner child sort of stop running the show, which which maybe it sounds like, you know, you kind of got a little bit more serious, a little bit more practical, I guess you could say. My question to you is whether or not there was anything that was sort of leading up to these illnesses that, that sort of happened, because in my experience, and I can't wait to hear about you, Uh, I know that sometimes when I'm not going with the flow, 
I am not very happy, right? I might be grumpy or something like that. Today I'm out on the property. I'm trying to tie these hoses together. They're not working. And I, I'm noticing that I'm starting to get very irritated. So I ended up putting that to the side and changing my attitude and going and doing something else. That's just a small example of when we're not really in alignment, when something is not working the way it should to kind of maybe pivot or or do something new for a little while. So were you sort of ignoring the signs? Were you in a career that wasn't for you? Were there other things that were happening around you that you hadn't really acknowledged and you kind of needed to be kicked in the butt a little bit? Yes, there were, there were so many things. I think Mm -hmm. I, I, um, part of it was that I was, I had uh, several other, I guess that you would say mini alignment or mini awakenings along the way, probably about, um, five or six years ago, I had, um, a real, um, time when I said, what do I really want to do? And I did a lot of work on, on purpose. And I really sort of changed a lot of directions and started really focusing on a specific area of advocacy where I got certified as a plant-based nutritionist. And I was really doing a lot of animal advocacy work. And I was really getting involved with all of that, um, seen. And I felt like that was really where I was supposed to be. And it probably was at the time, but then I kind of got called away back to my book because I've been working on this book probably for 10 years. I mean, I left it for probably seven years. And so, um, also along the way, you know, um, my husband and I moved a number of times and I feel like when you, when you, where you live is affects, you know, your, your whole energy basis as well. So, um, you know, we, we had been in Las Vegas for an incredibly long time. And as, as much as that was a lot of fun, I feel like it was spiritually distracting. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one to say the least. And of course I always did celebrate Halloween and I still do. And, you know, I'm a huge Halloween, um, you know, advocate, I call myself. Um, (laughs) but it was, you know, I couldn't figure out how to, how to extend that into my whole life. And growing up very academically focused and very, the other side of the brain, that's really not the, I mean, I'm a very creative person, but I also am a very driven and by the book person. And so that really kind of squashed a lot of maybe ideas about doing something like I'm doing now, because there weren't, that's not what my um, initial training was in. That's not what all of my career is in. And so it was, it was difficult to say, how can I, how can I leave that and come out of this? And I feel like that's so many um, women struggle when they discover that they really have this calling or they have this gift and that they really want to transition away from whatever career they've dedicated most of their lives to or whatever definition they had of themselves. And it's difficult, very, very difficult to do that, especially when you're trapped in your own hamster wheel of what you think it needs to look like and how it has to be. 
Yeah. And then what comes to mind is, of course, well, how practical is it? How are you going to make a living at it? How are you going to, mm-hmm. you know, it's all well and good for us to follow our dreams, but you know, yep. how are you yep. supposed to pay your bills? Exactly. So that's always difficult, but it, it's funny because you and I were talking before I hit record and we were just talking about how, you know, spirit will bring us the clients, people, people will find their way to us. That's just the way that it is. I think when we're in alignment and it's a big part of that is my girlfriend and I were talking this morning and she was saying, you know, it's that whole idea of being three steps away from gold. And sometimes what we do is we quit right before we're going to hit it. Or, you know, there's those stories of those people who have those gold farms. That's probably not the right term, but you know, gold mines and they sell them and then somebody else buys it and goes in and they were three feet away from gold. And uh, yeah, how do you kind of navigate that for yourself? How did you make that, that transition? Did you find it difficult to, to share that with other people? I'm going to leave my career and I'm going to go and I'm going to teach women how to interpret their dreams, you know? Yes. It's funny how it's easier to tell perfect strangers than it is to, to really try to explain it to people that already know you, because of course then you're, you're worried about their conception of you and you know, their judgments, which they may or may not even have, but you've got it all figured out in your head. What's what everybody's going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's your doubt. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You're just projecting that onto other people. Yeah. So how did you sort of overcome that? Or is that something that you're consistently doing? Yes. I think affirmations played a huge part for me, meditation and affirmations and just reprogramming that mind, reprogramming all the things that you're telling yourself and all of the, the thinking instead of the feeling, the the mental over the spirit, just all of that, that struggle. And it is a constant struggle. It really is. I think so. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by, by having a consistent practice of, in my case, you know, journaling and the affirmations and the meditation, it really keeps you every day on that right frequency. And it's so easy to, it's so easy. And default is, the other. Yeah. And so I'm not even going to say falling back because that's the default. It's yeah. just, how do you constantly shift it up, shift it up? You know? Right. Right. And we should change struggle to journey. It's not a constant yes. struggle. It's a constant journey and a reevaluating and a new habit forming, like you said. And mm-hmm. when it's the default, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about today, Megan, was that how it's funny how sometimes we forget that it's sort of everyone's default. So we're all Which kind just, of in yeah. it together, you know, because that's why I say the, that. Yeah. that's why I say the word struggle, because I want people to understand. Mm. I want people to go, yeah, this is hard and realize that they're not the only one struggling with that or yeah. the only one that's, you know, going through that. Yeah. Okay. It seems so, easier for everyone else. Well, it does. That's right. And especially when there's people like you and me and we've got our podcasts and we're out there and we're speaking about things. I mean, I don't want to sit there and drawn on about challenges that I'm having right now. I'll talk to you about the challenges I've had once I've overcome them and how I did it and, and you know, those sort of things, but you're right. Yeah. It is important that we all acknowledge that we're all on this journey together. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got diagnosed with these illnesses. You then went and you started doing your meditations and you said mm-hmm. that that really started to open things up for you. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that. You you talked about how that mm-hmm. really ignited some of the dream stuff going on for you. It also helped them to heighten your intuition. Did you yeah. find that you were connecting with your guides, with your higher mm-hmm. self? Were you able to 
to heal and, and work through a lot of those grievances you were having? Yes, absolutely. And so just a, a lot of all of those things. Yeah. And journaling, of course, for me, because I'm naturally a writer. So journaling for me is very healing. Yeah. It's very, it's kind of how you work, how I work through everything that I'm thinking. And I ha have just constant, constant ideas and constant thoughts and being an introvert. And I'm actually the INFJT, which is the turbulent version of the INFJ. Um, and so it's a constant, it's a constant turbulence of rumination and introspection. And so that can be, um, anybody who's an introvert knows um, how that can be. And so writing really helps with that. And that's why I work with journal prompts and dream journals in my practice. And also meditations and frequency music even. I really enjoy utilizing that because yeah. I feel like that helps us raise our frequency without us having to effort so much in, with it. Yeah. Let's talk about journaling for a second. And I want to talk about it in terms of that. I, I want to talk about it in terms of habit forming and whether or not you have any tips and tricks around that as well. And, and I guess even whether or not you notice when you started journaling, I mean, you're talking about being a writer. We know you've been working on a book for 10 years. So maybe it wasn't always a constant thing that you were doing. I want to bring up the journaling because I remember when I was a teenager, I used to journal a lot. And I remember, I think I wrote nine journals in a space of a short period of time, you know, teen angst and all that. I would have had a lot of content, I'm sure. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is something I need to get back into. And I started doing gratitude journaling for a while. I did it for a period of time. I've talked about on the show and how I found that was really important. And then I kind of got out of the habit and I haven't really gotten back into it again. And I guess where I'm going with this question is that I do personally believe that journaling is of the utmost importance. And I haven't made a priority for myself. So do you have any tips for people like me who are wanting to, who understand the value of it, but I guess I haven't put it in practice enough to really make it part of my routine. What kind of benefits have you found from it? And what about someone at home who's thinking to themselves that, yeah, they would also like to start? How do you get started and keep yourself motivated? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I like to do, I, I do this every single morning is I meditate and it doesn't have to be any set thing, but I really love uh, certain apps that I listen to different meditations on. Mm -hmm. And then I'll journal after that, or sometimes I'll pause it and journal right in the middle, whatever it's bringing up for me, whatever ideas or ahas or, Hey, I really like that. I don't want to forget that. Um, synchronicities, Yes. Inspirations. I'm really just kind of think of it as note taking because I'm a huge note taker. Me too. And as so I'm it's writing 50 it's, notes while we're talking. It's kind of like note taking yeah. with your thoughts mixed in. Right. Yeah. And so that's how I really do it on a daily basis in addition to the dream journal because that is of course that happens first and it has to happen first because it has to happen within the first few minutes that you've woken up if you don't record your dream within five minutes you're going to forget over 50 percent of it yeah. even if you think you won't and i i 
do it to myself every single day. I go, oh, that's so easy. I'm going to remember that. I could lie here a little bit longer. Yeah. And then it's gone. Yeah. So you have to write it down and, or, or, or speak it. Um, so, you know, if you live alone, you can just pick up your phone and start talking into it if nobody cares. Um, but I actually have been using Patricia Garfield's method. I'm, I'm perfecting it right now, but it's where you actually use the journal and you don't turn the light on. You don't even look at it. You do it in the dark and you use your kind of your fingers to hold the path, hold the line on the, on the journal. And so you kind of have a small enough book that your, you know, your thumb is in one place and your pinky's in the other. And then you're writing as using that to kind of try to write a straight line and then going down um, and doing the next line and then going down and doing the next line. And you're kind of writing in the dark. And at first it's going to look like a big mess, but the more you practice it, the more you can actually do that without disturbing your sleep. Because when you turn the light on, it affects your melatonin. And so you really kind of want to try to capture it, especially if you're waking up in the middle of the night without it messing up yours or someone else's sleep. Okay. All right. I like that a lot. So let's get into the conversation now of dreams and why dream journaling is important, which we will, I'm sure, cover in a moment here. So yes. you talked about being in meditation and how that was assisting you in your dream state. So have you always been a dreamer? Have you yes. had? Yes. Okay. So have you always sort of understood that there was a significance within your dreams? Because not all dreams are significant, right? I mean, if you watch a movie no, when are. you go to bed and then you go to bed and then you dream about that movie, I mean, does there, is there relevance I, for that? Or There is. And I oh, use okay. that example all the time. Share it with <laughs> but, me. <laughs> yes. I, I use that example all the time that people will say, oh, I dreamed about that because I watched that movie last night. Right. And so it's, I, it's just because I watched that movie. But it's not because you did a lot of things yesterday and you didn't dream about all those things. So what, what happened, it used the premise of the movie, but it combined them with all these other things from your subconscious. It's not a replay of the movie. And so right. it's just using that setting and a certain situation in that little teeny snippet right. to convey a message. So it actually is relevant. And that's part of the misconception is that a lot of people think that even the most mundane ones are not relevant. Oh, I was at the store and I was looking for bread and I couldn't find it. So I went to a different store and I, and it means nothing because I was shopping yesterday, but it does. It's talking about <laughs> purpose. You're looking for your purpose in all the wrong places or something. Exactly. Like yes. It's something like that. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, so mm -hmm. how did it kick off for you? You know, did you, did you have a dream and then you went, what does this mean? And, and start to do deep dives on yourself. Did you have a premonition? I mean, as I flail my pen about, how did that sort of begin? <laughs> uh, as a child, I, what I had recurring nightmares. Okay. And so I think that was part of my wanting to know what it was about and why I was having that. And also I would have, I would fly all the time mm -hmm. and have amazing flying dreams. And so I became really obsessed with trying to figure out what this alternate world was. And I, I already believed that the waking world wasn't everything that 
we could see mm. and that it was more than everybody was telling me. Yeah. And so I knew that that, that had to be the doorway. They had to be the, the one that I could access it through because I didn't, couldn't figure out another way as a child. And so that really was what made me so curious. And as, as a younger kid, I think that I would look at dream dictionaries and try to figure out what it meant. And I think that's what most people do. And my method is completely different from that because, and it really says, break up with your dream dictionary because your dream dictionary is misleading you. And it's yeah. not, unless you wrote it, it's not, it's not coming from you. Yeah. So and do you think that all dream dictionaries are actually BS? Like they're not accurate? I, I don't think that they're BS because they, they're true for someone, right? But it doesn't mean that they're true for you. Right now. So, okay. Mm-hmm. That being yeah. said, sorry to cut you off. I was just thinking, I went mm-hmm. on a tangent for a second. So as a medium, I will sometimes see symbols And when I know that that symbol means this for me, I will get that symbol in relation to that. So it could be, let's say a yellow daffodil for me is a cancer trigger. When I see yellow daffodil, I don't go, that's a beautiful flower. I go, there's a soul here who has a cancer who's passed from that, or there's an affiliation. There's something going on with that. So, Mm -hmm. but that would mean that someone else could see a yellow daffodil and have a different meaning for it. But I've made that my meaning. So do you think that people could, for example, read a dream dictionary, go, okay, uh, you have, I don't know, there's maybe something within it, like drowning or something. Maybe you feel like you're being bogged under by all the people around you or, you know, life situation or something. Could that all of a sudden become the meaning because you've read it and you've been given that impression and now it is that meaning for you is that possible yes your yes your dream life is a is influenced by your waking life perceptions okay so and and vice versa so they do synergistically affect each other in positive or negative ways right so but, if you read a dream journal mm-hmm. that said that this was the meaning of something Let's mm-hmm. say, uh, um, I, I, I'm not coming up with a very good example. Let's say drowning, you're drowning yeah. and that means you're having this, you're struggling at work. Okay. And let's mm-hmm. say you read that and that's not maybe mm-hmm. true for you, but you believe that. So maybe now when you're having dreams in the future of drowning, that means that you're struggling at work because you've given it that meaning. Do you? Yes, because that is now your association. That's now your association, right? So dream dictionaries maybe could assist people in finding association, or would you say that it's better to to look into your dreams, find the association for yourself without Mm -hmm. outside influence? Yes, I think it's better to utilize the method to ask the right questions of yourself that draw out your associations. So if you, if you dream of, or you visualize a a yellow flower, and then you look up flower in the dictionary, and it says new life, and you say, and I ask you, okay, so you, you dreamed about a yellow flower. So what does the yellow flower make you think of? And you say, cancer. Well, then it doesn't mean new life. I mean, maybe it does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a bad example, yeah. but, <laughs> but I see where you're going with this. That's all right. 
Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, the point is you have a negative association. So a lot of times people will say, oh, well, what does a dream about snakes mean? Or what's a dream about an yeah. owl mean? And a lot of times those are traditionally thought to be negative omens, bad symbols. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you're totem is an owl if you had a pet snake your life experience is going to be completely different maybe something happened when you were younger with one of those animals and and maybe it was a good thing or maybe it was a bad thing and that is going to completely predict like kind of just inform what that animal then is doing in your dream what the message Mm -hmm. is of your dream it's really decoding your dream language and by that it means pulling out your subconscious associations and emotional attachments and feelings and energetic attachments to all of those things so I feel like the most accurate interpretation to use that word is drawn out of the dreamer it's unique to the dreamer and that makes everybody's different so that's why I discourage the dictionaries because I I feel like then you're not listening to yourself right and I don't know about you but I find sometimes as well especially in my early days before I was reading Oracle and tarot just reading them although I'm not a tarot expert but I'm, I'm good at Oracle I would read the book, right? And I I never retained it in the same way. I don't know about you, but when you sit there and you're kind of like forcing yourself to go, okay, I notice a lot of greens here. Maybe there's a heart thing going on or I notice numbers, you know? <laughs> I'm starting to all of a sudden have to really go into it and really feel it out. And I, I feel personally that I recall the information in a completely different way versus if I was just reading it in a book and going, oh, I guess mm-hmm. that's what that means. Is that true for you? Yes, because, and and I'm glad you brought that up because I actually use the Denise Lynn Sacred Traveler deck and I saw that you, yeah, you had a Denise Lynn deck and I don't read the book because it's not, it's, I don't need that. It might be interesting, but I don't, I don't need that. And some of them don't come with a book anyway. And so it's just at, in that, in that reading, whatever one happens to call out to me mm-hmm. is the one that that person needs to receive and the message is whatever then comes out of me mm-hmm. through my guides and yeah. it's not going to be what the book says it is yeah necessarily exactly. yeah so and I've actually done it before where I've interpreted my card and then I've gone in to look at the book out of interest yeah. And yes. I'll go, no, that meaning is not what this means. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So it's yeah. Not like-, like in, in one of my recent episodes at the end, I, I hold up a card and I, and, and it's, it's not actually in the, in the episode because she told me after we ended the recording that there, the woman on the card reminded her of this woman from her childhood that lived next to her that used to do this magical thing with the water and everything. And it, it was, and oh. she pretty much was represented on the card. And I mean, that's why it, it's really an intuitive process yeah. and not necessarily what, yes, this person created these beautiful cards. And yes, that person had an intent with them and wrote a nice story about them. But when you're actually interacting with other people's energies, there's so much more going on than just the book. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that you and I are in a lot on the same page and probably many things, but I mean, this is the first time we're meeting, but 
when you're talking a lot about, um, you know, dream interpretation is really, it's really about coming within and it's really about listening to your own intu intuition. And it's funny because yesterday I was live on Facebook doing readings and one of the, I channel a lot of material. Well, pretty much all channeled, isn't it? And, you know, one of the messages that was coming through from source was just a lot about how we really need to find our own way and our own truth and run things through our own filter and how, when you're working with someone like me, I'm just helping you to remember what's already within yourself. I'm just helping you to maybe give you like a keyword or a story or an example that's going to help you bridge the dots, put the dots together to find that answer within your own self. And what I really love about what you're, and I'm getting covered in chills, by the way, um, what I'm really loving about what you're talking about is you're talking about how our dreams are our own personal connection to maybe our higher self. We haven't really tapped into that yet to our own innate wisdom. And I think a big part that we struggle with as spiritual people and as humans in general is that we're very often looking, oh, this is like coming from someone else. Anyway, I'll keep going. We're very often looking outside of ourselves for that validation, for that confirmation, for that you know, kind of encouragement to move forward on our path when really I think and I believe that all we have and all we need is within already us. All we have to do is just listen and take that time. So when any comment on that, before I ask you my next question, did I you think wanna... you're just channeling my exact thoughts because that's exactly what, that's exactly what I always say yeah. and what I believe. Yes. Yeah. And the one thing I do want to insert there is that's why I call my method, the dream mirror method, because I'm holding up a mirror to you. I don't want to tell you what my association is or what this book says or what that culture believes. I yeah. want it to be a mirror uh, for you so that you can look into yourself and connect with your own higher guidance by decoding your own dream language and yeah. connecting into that doorway that dreams are. Yes. And you know what we do when we don't do that is we give away our power to other people. Mm -hmm. We give away our, our power when we are looking for someone else to tell us maybe the story we want to hear or the meaning for things. Whereas when we get that validation, we grow in confidence. We start to step into our power and we, we start to become who we came here to be. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I like to think of, I, I like to think of dreams as like the doorway to reflection and yeah. enlightenment and awakening and magic, but magic with a K. And I use mm -hmm. that terminology because that is the action that is taken to affect personal transformation. That's what magic with a K is. Right. It's about, it's alchemy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes. So you were dealing with nightmares as a kid. And so you mm -hmm. were always sort of a little bit interested in, in what these meant. Um, when was it that you started to be able to decipher what your dreams mean for you? Did you take time? Did you journal? Did you do some of these, you know, different methods that you've talked about? I mean, how did the mm -hmm. process itself really start to kind of uh, synergize or, or really come together and solidify for you where you went, wait a minute, mm -hmm, my dreams mm -hmm. are mirroring my fears in my current life. And this is mm -hmm. how we process and make them work for me. Mm -hmm. It's a, 
long combination of all the things that I've learned. So I studied in college and in graduate school, I English literature. And so I extensively studied literature, British specifically and medieval. But what I really liked about that time in my life was the story, analyzing it. I didn't care about the sentence structure or the grammatics or whatever. It was the analysis. And that also combined with all the philosophy and the theory and the metaphysics and the different religions and the different psychology. I studied all of that and combined all that with what resonated with me. So all the different ways that you could think about your existence, all the different theories about why we're here or where we came from or where we're going or how we interact with the world we're in. All of those influenced me to create my own take on that. And when I started applying my own take, I couldn't think about it any other way. Yeah. It just seemed like the most authentic and personalized and true aligned way to look at look at it and that's mm. how anyone that I share it with feels too so it's it's really resonating um, with other people as well and it's making me feel so much like yes this is Validation. this isn't something that I'm trying to convince you of like you said outside of yourself it's something that's coming from you. So of course it's going to resonate with you. Yeah. And what is really interesting too, and I'm sure you'll find the humor in this when I phrase it to you this way or put it to you this way, you know, you want to teach people a method that you learned yourself about how they can find their own method, basically. Of course. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because, because it's not something that it's like, you're going to need me for the rest of your life. Right. It's yeah. just a, Hey, let me give you the keys. Yes. Here are the keys. Here are the tools. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, so you have a dream or you have a nightmare. Do you find that the nightmares and the dreams are of equal importance or because there's a fear based happening within the nightmare scenario? Do you think that that's kind of a little bit more, maybe there's more emphasis on you to really pay attention? Somebody asked me that question just last weekend. And uh, I think that they are equally important. I think that the reason people remember nightmares more is because, as you said, they're so emotionally driven and they're really trying to get our attention and, and they might be terrifying or disturbing or whatever. And so we, re we remember them and we forget the mundane ones, partly because we think that they don't mean anything and partly because yeah. there might not be as much emotional content. But I think they're equally important because when you start to analyze them and sometimes people will say, well, I, I brought you a dream, but I don't know if it's good enough. I don't know if it's what you, you know, what I should bring you. And it's like, you know, we have to get out of that perception that it yeah. needs to be this, you know, epic, right. Or yes. that, it that, you know, because it, it is important. And, and, I, and then I show them how, what they thought maybe meant nothing or maybe wasn't worth sharing really was profound for them. Mm -hmm. 
Do you believe that the characters and the scenarios within our dreams are personifications of ourselves and they show up in terms of characters and scenarios and they're reflective of, say, limiting beliefs we have or things that we're working through or, yeah, things like that? Yes. In general, I do believe that theory most of the time. Aside from what I would call angelic visits or or soul actual visit actual visitations my dreams yeah yeah Yeah. aside from that I I, because I've had I've had those as well I think that it's the majority of the time it is Mm -hmm. that that person is representing an aspect of yourself Mm -hmm. and so their presence in the dream is an indicator of a part of yourself that is either being that way or needs to be that way oh yeah Okay. Can you share a story that may come to mind of maybe someone who brought you a dream and then how you were able to find some of the meaning in that? I just think that might be fascinating for a listener and for me to just kind of see this sort of put into practice. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, so one that is not published yet, but will be in October on my special October episodes. It'll be a little sneak peek for you. I'm just going to tell part of it. Yes, because it was a nightmare and it was a nightmare interpretation. And the interesting part about it was that when we sat down to record it, there was a huge thunderstorm. And I mean, huge. And the power went out and we had to stop right in the middle. And then the, the, uh, you know, emergency people had to come fix the electrical box. And then we had to start again. And if that isn't a nightmare when you're recording a podcast and there, there was just lightning in the sky, the whole sky was like purple, purple lightning, huge hail. I mean, it was, it was a thing. And her dream involved going into that. There were all these people in the basement and she went, followed a woman that she recognized into the basement and said, I'm going to go down there and see what's going on because something's going on. And when she followed that woman down there, she realized that she recognized the woman and she said, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I feel better that you're here. Now she does know this woman in real life. And so I asked her, what are three adjectives you would use to describe this woman? And she said what they were, and they were all very, pleasant and and comforting this woman she liked and in my estimation the basement much like backstage or behind the curtain or Mm. any of those types of things represents your your shadow your darkness your subconscious your other side your the part that you what do you what do you keep in the basement it's either things you don't use or things you don't want anybody to see or, you know, and where you store things. And so it was very interesting that she decided to follow her down and that she wanted to see what was going on. And that's so powerful. Just that, right. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm ready to put the light on all Mm -hmm. this shit that's in here. I love that. And then when she did that, she recognized the woman and she said, I'm so glad you're here. I feel better knowing that you're here. It's, it's partly that aspect of herself that's, you know, really saying, 
don't be afraid of this darkness because yeah. I'm here with you. And it was also partly her, you know, it could be her guides, her higher self saying, it's okay to come down in the basement, you know? That's so um, emotional. I feel so yeah. emotional while you're saying that. I know you yeah. said it was a nightmare. It doesn't yeah. sound like that to me, but it's moving. Yeah. So that's just a little touch of how that, of how that can work. You know, it's, right. even if that were a dream, if, even if that were all that she remembered and there was more before and after it, yeah, that really is powerful. And you don't, you might not think it was. Yeah, it is powerful. I mean, even just when we say she had a dream that she had to go down into the basement. And when you, when you were talking about the basement, you're right behind the curtain in the shadow, blah, blah, blah. I love that. I can see how it's fascinating for you to want to explore these these hidden realms, these hidden worlds and the meaning behind these things. So mm -hmm. when you're talking about having a dream journal, would you say that part of the benefit of having a dream journal is a to assist you in recalling the dream? So then you can then do those deep dive investigations. But do you also find that it's helpful to see whether or not there are, are any themes that are kind of happening? And what do you absolutely. do with that information? Yes, absolutely. So the four steps of my method are memory, mood, mirror, and metaphor. And so memory is the first step. And that's, you have to keep a dream journal to remember it. Yeah. And you have to write it down as soon as possible. Um, mood, of course, is the emotions. You have to write down the emotions. And so I encourage people to record their mood both before, during, and after the dream, because the way you went to felt when you went to sleep influences how the content of the dream, the way you wake up gives you an indication of the content of the dream. And then mirror is where, like I said, I hold up the mirror to the, to you, but I also ask all about the people that were in it, the places, the settings, the situations, the actions. And then we go to metaphor where I draw out through a series of questions how that is a metaphor for what's happening in your waking life. And I also like to use color theory and a number of other techniques because I, the more detail you can get, the, the better. Yeah, I love color theory as well. I think it's so powerful and it's not really probably widely spoken about. I think it's really important. So what do you find people do with that information while they've got yes. it? So if we yes. use this woman's example, because I think it's a great one and I know we're, I know you're teasing us a little bit. So our listener at home yes. will have to go and listen to your episode <laughs> to find out what happened really, what yes. made it, what made this real scary, you know, for example. Exactly. Um, but let's just use the the really short version that you talked about. So if mm -hmm. she now knows that she is ready to face her shadow self, ready to bring to light the things that she's buried, you know, what is the, how does she put that into practice in her own life? You know, how is that going to help her? She's starting to look for themes in her life where she's going, I'm feeling an emotion. Normally I would stuff it down, but now I know my dreams telling me I need to cry or I need to scream or I need to speak what I'm saying so that it's not stuffed down deep down. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, that's part of the reason that I do dream journeys, because then we can do a series of dream sessions where we can start to, like you said, see the patterns, see the yeah. recurring themes 
And an example of that would be that if say she didn't, then, I mean, I feel like that that's a really positive um, metaphor going on there that she's already willing to do that subconsciously. But say that she then had another recurring dream where she kept, kept going into the basement and, you know, maybe something else happened, um, then, or, or was afraid to go back in the basement, you know, say she had another dream and she was afraid to go back down there again. I think that the, when you start to see different themes that can really tell you recurring dreams recur because you're not addressing something in other words, and nightmares also can, that you're, there's something you don't want to see and so on. But what I try to do as part of my journeys is really utilize all different types of modalities to help people then integrate what they've discovered in their session. So, and it really is the things that we've discussed. So sound healing, musical frequencies, affirmations, and journal prompts and meditations really tailored to whatever the content and the message was of your dream. And then what that indicated that you need to work on. And so then I provide and curate those modalities for them based on that specific content of that dream so that then they can go and do the work themselves on whatever it's calling them to do. Yeah. So you go, okay, girl, here's your dream recipe. You want a little hit of Hertz music. You want a couple of these meditations sprinkled in with (laughs) I love that metaphor because meal. Since I'm a home-based chef, yes, I, I love that. Are you a home-based chef? There you go. Yes. yes, I love that. So that's so good. Yeah, I kept wanting to talk to you about recipes. I don't know why I felt like Source was like, yeah, talk topic. Yeah, that's hilarious. Get out of it. You know, stop it. It's taking us I, off the subject. I like that. The dream recipe. No, it's great. I'm going to use Feel that. Feel free to take that. <laughs> Feel free to take that. Credit me now and again. That'd be good. Yes. Um, yes. So how do you see dreams as opportunities? Because I would think that uh, for me, let me, let me just share a little bit. Sometimes when I have dreams, I, yeah, I guess if they're mundane or they're uncomfortable or they're nightmare, you know, related or something, I think sometimes it's difficult to see the opportunity But then I guess when you're, I'm like answering my own question, when you write it down in a way, it allows you to be a little bit more objective, isn't it? Even though you write down the mood you may be feeling because it's a dream, you can kind of, oh, that's good. It's like you can separate from it, isn't it? And that's one of the cool things about dreams is you experience it, you write it down and you can sometimes leave the emotion, but not always. Yes, absolutely. So as I'm nodding my head, yes. So when you're writing it down, you're actually doing that writing, journaling, healing part as you're recording it because you're acknowledging it. Yes. And also that's the other reason that I encourage dream sharing and voicing the dream, because when you voice the dream, sometimes you say it out, out loud and then you go, oh, and that happens with wordplay a lot. So there'll be something that comes up in the dream and it'll be like a fictional person's name or something you saw written down and you'll say, it said this and you say it out loud and then you go, oh, that's pretty clever. And it'll, it'll come up with things that it'll use wordplay like homophones and homographs and all these kind of weird things that to get the message across and in a cryptic way. 
Yeah. So do you think that, you know, dreaming is a big part about where our guides, because with, with you and me, like we do this work on the regular basis. So for, for us and for other people who are on the spiritual path, who are maybe aware of how their guides connect to them. Like, I mean, I'm talking to you, but I'm getting fed information the whole time. Right. And I can hear it and I can discern that it's coming from spirit because it's just, it flows in a different way. But would you say that in general, people who are maybe still spiritual, but they're not always attuned to the information. So they may not be, I mean, that being said, I'm still saying that I need my dreams to sometimes assist me. I'm not, I'm not sitting here thinking I have the whole thing figured out or anything like that, but you know, we, I think that in our waking, we probably can receive information and discern it and hear it differently than someone who's still learning to do that. And that's why the dream stuff is so key, isn't it? Yes. It, it's difficult for me to imagine what it would be like to not be intuitive about it, yeah. but that, yeah, if that's what you mean. And yeah, so I think that's, I think that's where the method helps you tap into your own intuition because yeah. we are all intuitive. We just don't pay attention. Yeah. And so it's yeah. really figuring out how to listen. I call it listen to those whispers because they're tiny little things like the little synchronicities that we see during the day. And we go, well, isn't that funny that that yeah. you know, yesterday, yesterday I was on a podcast and my cat's name is Merlin. And she said, my dog's name is Merlin. And I'm like, well, isn't that funny? But there's more, you know, and it just keeps yeah. piling on the more yeah. you start going, oh, and that, and isn't that funny? And it's, yeah. that's, when we say it's funny, it's a synchronicity. Yeah. And actually, we don't know speaking, how to explain. I love how you're talking about, you know, you're kind of making me feel like what you're doing actually in the work that you do is you're empowering people to question things in their waking life as well. You know, we were talking about how maybe people are are triggering things within us. You know, when we see people on the outside of us and they trigger things within us, I can't remember if you and I said that before I hit record actually, <laughs> but uh, you know, when it's kind of like getting us to sort of look at our life on the regular basis, as opposed to just waiting for our dreams to help us. So it's almost as though mm -hmm. dreaming and then the dream interpretation is actually allowing us to be more present in the here and now in which we can react. We can notice our own behaviors and we can yeah start to bring to light things that maybe we would be stuffing down like our our woman that we were talking about earlier yes and it actually part of part of lucid dreaming is one of the one of the techniques for lucid dreaming is reality checks where yeah. you're constantly saying mm -hmm. yeah looking at your hands or looking at things and saying am i dreaming right now oh. and the more you do that the more it, it will happen in your dream state. And then you can realize that you're dreaming. And when you're constantly checking your reality, you start to see all the metaphors that are going on in your waking life. You're out there pulling the weeds or you're, you're dealing with the hoses and thinking, yeah. hmm, isn't this a metaphor for something? Yeah. And the more you start to see the, the parallels and the more you start to analyze the metaphors, you know, I have a great book called Metaphors We Live By, and it really is, you know, it's, it's happening all, all the time. Metaphors are all around us. And yeah. so, and I just said yesterday on, on an interview that I said, hey, um, you know, it reminds us that this is an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. So when we start to remember that, it breaks the mold. It breaks us out of the, the hamster wheel of 3D. 
And when we start doing dream work, we start living more in that other world and integrating that into our lives. And that's why dream work can be so powerful yeah. because it can actually provide us with self-confidence, with understanding, with guidance, with self-compassion, with yeah. creativity. We can really tap into our subconscious to come up with creative ideas and solutions that we can then use in our life. There's, it's a treasure trove of information mm -hmm. that's just ours. And it brings in the magic element you were talking about earlier, where we can alchemize our, our very existence, you know, where we are almost sitting in that seat of power where we go. Yes. Yes. Um, can I ask you, do you ever have a question or I know, um, I think it's in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, where he was like looking for an answer for something. I'm pretty sure it's from that book. And he, he made his subconscious come up with the idea. So he goes yes. to bed and he goes, all right, I really need a, I need an answer on the blah, 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 or need a really good title yep. for something. Yeah. Do you do that yourself? And do you recommend people give that a whirl? Absolutely. 100%. So, um, that's called creative dreaming or dream incubation or dream manifestation. Uh, all of the above have been used by so many famous inventors and writers and filmmakers and yeah. uh, musicians. Yes. And golf players. I mean, the, the, the examples go on and on of how people said, I need to come up with a new X or I don't know what to do in this chapter or how could I rearrange this room or how do I deal with this problem at work or how do I approach this relationship and then go to bed, be immersed in it before you go to bed, think intently upon that thing that you want the solution to and your your mind, Gail Delaney calls it the 24-hour mind, your mind is will work on it. It's always working. And it will present solutions to you through the messages of the dream. That's how the sewing machine was invented. The the at the benzene, the chem, you know, the it was realized uh, Albert Einstein discovered the theory of relativity. Um great movies like twilight and inception were I all love twilight too <laughs> came up from they were came to them in dreams yeah. and inspired by dreams and so cinematic classics so like twilight it's so powerful yes. i mean that my novel idea came to me in a dream so well, i've had dream dream stuff come to me as well. And I go, okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't really question it. I just act on it. Cause I just sort of feel that it's coming to me from, from source and I'm supposed to pay attention to it. What about yeah. people who don't dream? And I know we are at the end of our time together, but I think that we mm -hmm. do need to bring that up. If, if, mm -hmm. um, if you could kind of weigh in on that, because some people would say, mm -hmm. I don't dream. I can't recall yes. my dreams, you know? Yes. I and I started? didn't realize how many people felt that way until I started doing this work. And yeah. so the good news is that unless you've unless you've actually had a car accident and suffered damage to a part of your brain, you are dreaming. You just don't remember them. Mm -hmm. So everybody has a, about five to six dreams a night. They dream for roughly 90 minutes every night. And depending on your level of estrogen as women or your medications or what you're eating or your lifestyle or the state of your, you know, the, the, the way, where you sleep and the temperature in the room and all these other things can influence that. But rest assured that you are 
screaming. And so it's really about intention and about willingness. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are certain personality types, if you're really into personalities that are more willing to be open to the possibility that there is something there for them. And those are the people who have greater dream recall. Women also have greater dream recall than men do, and they write them down in more detail than men. But our estrogen can greatly affect that. So the cycles that we go through can, the more estrogen we have, the more we're going to recall them. When the estrogen starts to decline, the less we're going to recall them. And mental health issues can also influence your ability to recall. So there's a number of things, medications, lots of things that can influence that, but we all are doing it. Yeah. It's interesting when you're talking about the willingness, what came to mind for me was let's say you're somebody who's maybe a little bit nervous or afraid of it. Well, we could just go back to what we've been talking about this whole entire time. It's like, okay, well, can you look for opportunities to invite in going with the flow or change or relaxing or taking your foot off the gas a little bit in your current life as sort of reinforcing the intention of you wanting to get out of your own way to be open to that kind of guidance. Yes. And I call dreams the ultimate self-care. So I feel like that really is the ultimate self-help. It's, it's right there. It's just untapped. Yeah. No. What a cool conversation, Megan. Thank you so much for being here. That flew by. Hey, I just like looked at the time. I went, oh, time check. We can do this again. Yes, we can. <laughs> we, we will have to. Maybe we can get a little bit more into dream metaphors and things like that it would be pretty cool. Yes. So thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to make sure that you brought up? You also have a special offer for our listener at home. If you want to yes. uh, mention that, and I will put a link as well to everything in the show notes for our listener at home. Yes. So the, uh, yes, the special is off a dream, dream session. And I also did want to mention the, the course that yeah. I have at, in partnership with you. And so it's a dream analysis for women, spiritual providers. And I feel like this is a, a fabulous opportunity for all people who are working as heart-centered entrepreneurs, soul-based providers, doing any kind of modality, you're helping other people. If you learn my method and you incorporate it into your work, it can just be another beautiful layer to help everyone that you're working with to unearth their subconscious and really dive in and connect with their higher self. So I highly encourage everyone to check that out and also join me in a dream session and experience it for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, based on our conversation today, what I do realize is like, you're talking about, you know, when you are listening to your dreams, you're really opening up the door to a whole new world living and while you're asleep you know, and I I just love that about our conversation today. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I'll put a link to everything in the show notes as well for a listener at home. So Megan's a partner with me on uh, my powerful productivity for the spiritual professional course. So a link to all that. And um, thank you, Megan. And I can't wait for you to come back for episode two, whenever that shall be. Awesome. Yes. Thank you very much, Lauren. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.